You're listening to Music Tectonics. What's up, podcast land? It's me, Crazy Pants, a.k.a. The Seismic Shifter, a.k.a. Dimitri Vitsa, the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, the music tech PR firm. Just like the robot says, you're listening to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. And today, we are really going to get down beneath the surface of online video and content identification and why it's important for the music industry, artists, publishers, and more. Because, dear regular listeners, it's Music Tectonics season, the time we're getting ready to do our annual conference, which is only possible thanks to some stellar people and companies. In fact, today we're joined by one of our supernova sponsors, AdRev, represented by the marvelous Jesse Worstel, who is not only the VP of Business Development AdRev, but like a lot of the AdRev posse, he's an artist himself. He's a songwriter, a producer, goes by the name Creator Not Destroyed, a very tectonic name. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Hey, Dimitri. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great, and it's great to have you here. I love AdRev has been such a great um, advocate, participant, supporter of the Tectonics family from the beginning when we started in 2019, but long before that, in 2012, you guys started um, to help musicians navigate the wilds of user-generated content monetization on YouTube, and the company continues to help rights holders collect and claim online, and you guys are moving in some new directions. We'll find out about on today's podcast. But Jesse, I'm ready to jump in right into this. Are you ready? Let's do it, man. So Jesse, there's the ad rev that I know as a rights management company, which helps artists and rights holders, ranging from production music rights holders to publishers, and helps them identify when their music's being used online in places like YouTube, claiming their ownership to collect revenue that might otherwise go unnoticed. But for those who might not know the ins and outs of online rights monetization, how does AdRev's original business proposition work? Yeah, so uh, when we talk specifically about YouTube, uh, AdRev is uh, a rights um, uh, administrator in the Content ID system. That's YouTube's, you know, uh, name for this whole inner working of of, of content protection. So basically, uh, if you own a music copyright, whether that's a sound recording, uh, publishing, even some audiovisual content, we ingest that into their system. And then that begins to scan all videos that are posted on YouTube. And then if we find a video using an, an unauthorized use of user-generated content, uh, we claim it. And then the claim allows ads to run. And then that, those ads generate revenue. And then we collect that revenue and pay down to the client. So basically you're, you're making like YouTube royalties for a lack of a better term, but it's also protecting your work. Um, the example I always use, if someone, you know, puts up a cat video and it goes crazy viral, but they use your song without permission. If your song is in the system and it claims it, then the revenue goes to you instead of the, the, the uploader, which they should not be getting that money because they're using your content without permission. But what so about that's the like, cat, Jesse? What about the cat? The cat, the cat, you know, uh, hopefully there are other videos on that channel that, that generate revenue so the, the owner can, you know, feed it, bathe it. I don't know. Do you bathe cats? I have no idea. Make t-shirts uh, for it. Make t-shirts for it. Uh, create its own Instagram account, you know, things like that. Yeah. Gotcha. I, but were you going to say something else about the um, the the monetization there? I think I uh, cut you off because I was so oh, concerned no, about the cat. <laughs> it's totally fine. Uh, it's just it's just a good way. Um, you know, if your song, if your music's not in the system, then chances are someone's using your music and getting money for it, uh, and that should 
be going to you, obviously, as the rights owner. Got it. Okay, cool. Excellent. So that's kind of how it works. And that's also what AdRev's role is, um, is this this role of claiming and collecting and keeping an eye out for where this music's getting used and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's any rights that you own, uh, we can work with it, basically. Gotcha. So can you give us some examples of the types of clients you, uh, you have in that capacity and, and maybe some examples of how you've helped them collect more money online? I, specificity sometimes really helps <laughs> paint the picture. Sure. So, you know, our bread and butter on the YouTube space is the production music world. Um, and so, you know, we work with APM, uh, Warner Chapel Production Music, Fox Music, Extreme. I mean, you name it, you know, we're, we're working for them and, and uh, kind of helping them navigate this crazy YouTube world because it can get really, really uh, complicated. And unfortunately, the content ID system wasn't created for with production music in mind, it's a very nuanced type of music. Yeah, let's. What what is production music for anyone who happens to not know that term? Sure, it's basically music that is composed to use um, in in trailers, soundtracks, commercials, TV, radio, film. Uh, you know, usually it's um, they're shorter and they're used in you know needle drops, so it could be like a 15, 10 second use, something like that. Uh, and YouTube's system was really designed for more commercial music in mind, and so. When a production music library wants to monetize on YouTube, it's it takes a little bit of special handling. So um, luckily, we've been doing it for so long that we uh, have kind of helped uh, whittle down the process and make it a little bit more streamlined and a little easier. And, and obviously, there's some things that we have up our sleeve that we'll we'll touch on later. Um, but it, you know, besides production music, we also work with uh, labels. Um, Cosmica, uh, records is, is a great Latin label that, that we're working with and all their artists. Um, we have an independent artist, Snow, the product, uh, who is just huge right now. And, um, she runs everything herself, which is great. No, no label, no publisher. She's just all her own. And so none of her works were in YouTube. And so when we, you know, got everything in there, all this these re-uploads of, of her videos or just music that were basically being untouched is finally being collected and, and paid to her. Uh, and then, you know, with, with some more in-depth tech that we have, we can do a deeper dive and find kind of the, the diamonds in the rough of, of videos that are going undetected due to some limitations. Uh, and so that's, you know, sound recording, but also publishing with covers and, and you know um, rearrangements and things like that. The 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 basic YouTube system can be a little um, not as accurate when finding these things, and so that's where we step in and try to really fill in the gap to make sure everything's covered and and nothing's slipping through. Yeah. So you you've got just the the sound recordings are just getting uploaded with video. So that's one example. Um, You've got somebody that's doing a cover song, so there's the 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 publishing side of of the royalties there, and that could probably be really tricky because the cover songs could sound extremely different, right? They could be using the lyrics and not the music, or the music and not the lyrics, right? Um, or, or, or they, they could do change like the a, BPM. Yeah, they do like a samba version of like a rock song, and so of course, you know, the system's not going to find that because it's based on a melody match, and if the melody is completely different, it's not going to get you know caught basically. So. Um, we do our best with our tech to, to find those types of things because, you know, sometimes these covers can really take off and become really popular. 
and we want to make sure that the publishing revenue is being accounted for. Obviously, the the person making the cover, the sound recording, that's them, and then the publishing should be going to you know publisher, writer, what have you. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine there's also like background noise with some music that would probably obscure making the matches. Yeah, it can get a little tricky if you've got a really, you know, someone's, I don't know, video camera has a really horrible microphone and the audio is really bad. Uh, that can go undetected if, you know, they, they do try to change the BPM or the pitch, you know, um, luckily uh, that can kind of be remedied, but um, you'd be really surprised at what people are into, uh, there's this thing called nightcore where they take a song and speed it up. So it sounds like a chipmunk singing and people stream this all day and they love it, but it's like a really sped up high pitched version of the song, which <laughs> I don't get it, but it's a thing. Well, if you're doing the right kind of work and taking the right kind of drugs, man, it's probably the right <laughs> pace for everything. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. You take those uppers for that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Got it. Okay. So um, I've picked up that AdRev is growing out uh, beyond these original services. Not that you're stopping them, but you're building out a more comprehensive rights management technology platform. What does the AdRev of today do differently than what we've described so far? What are the products you offer now and who do you serve with that? Yeah, great. Uh, 2020 um, was a good year for us. I mean, I know it was a really tough year uh, overall, but uh, a lot of exciting things happened at AdRev. Um, the first being we purchased a company out of Bordeaux, France called Symbols. Let me spell that for you. It's S-I-M-B-A-L-S. Uh, and these guys are brainiacs. I mean, the the founder it has a PhD in like music tech related, uh, you know, background. And so really what it is, it's kind of a really flexible, comprehensive fingerprinting technology and it does basically i i like to say 100 matching but like 99.9999 you know so it's really really um robust and it can find matches just like a couple seconds of use and yes you can use that against you know youtube detection but it's really you can use it in whatever capacity you want if you want the data we can get you the data if you want to you know um use it for uh you know qa and QC type capabilities, it can do that. It can do um, metadata tagging. It's really, really uh, a great tool. And we're happy to have that um, in our arsenal now because it really just helps with detection, with just cleaning up data and just making everything a lot more easier and streamlined. Um, and if you want to check it out, you can go to symbols.com uh, and see just kind of everything they're doing over there. In addition to that, we also created a tech called License Ease, which is a really flexible license verification and copyright claims management system. And this is really vital for a lot of the production music clients because as, well, they know, um, and maybe the general public listening doesn't know, um, when you license a lot of tracks, especially to brands who will then post a video on YouTube, YouTube's system doesn't differentiate between what's licensed and what's not licensed. So it's going to claim anything. And basically it thinks it's user generated content, but it's, it's an official use, right? So what happens is someone buys a license, they put their video up using that song, it gets claimed. Well, this creates a lot of headaches for these production music clients because it's almost like they're double dipping when, you know, they shouldn't be, but it's a limitation with the content ID system. So what licensees does it can auto-release these claims. Um, it tracks the use of 
these videos. So you can kind of keep an eye on, hey, this client bought a license and there's the video with the music that they used. So um, it's it, there. there's two versions. There's the kind of the, the licensees light, we call it, which is just a lot of manual. Uh, you put in links or uh, YouTube channels to 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 monitor or there's a fully integrated API version, which when you tie the tech from the production music client or any client to our licensees API, it all happens automatically. It's just running constantly. Um, so there's not a whole lot you have to do besides just like the beginning, you know, elbow grease work, getting the two techs to talk to each other. Um, but yeah, this is exciting for us because, you know, YouTube's great and all, but this helps us go beyond that it can just basically it's a, it's a, it's tech that can be used anywhere. So let me just see if I've got this right. I like to Jesse, I like to kind of track the pathway of cuz cuz I I think I heard it all right, but sometimes if I could kind of confirm it with you slow it down a little bit, it helps me really really understand what you're saying. So you may be a production library or any other kind of like catalog rights holder organization that has uh, sound recordings um, and and possibly p- publishing as well. And you license a song t- for use in, say, um, a social media ad that then gets uploaded to YouTube by somebody anywhere. So you don't want YouTube to take down that uh, take down that video or claim the the revenue on that for some other entity or some other brand. But you also want that brand to be able to use it because they've licensed the the audio, right? Right. Yeah. So th- that's a big issue. I mean, it's it's been since day one of YouTube, and it's been a really big pain point. And we've built a solution that basically takes that away. So so licensees will um, be listening to YouTube, or um, will or or is co- tied into the content ID system, so that when there's a question about that track, you can release the claim. You can say, "No, wait, it's okay for that one to run, even though it's on somebody else's channel." Right. Well, if it's on if it's on someone else's channel um, that didn't buy the license, uh, the client will have to submit that information to us, so it can basically just the, the technology talks to YouTube's API and says, oh, this asset with this ID from this uh, client um, for this channel has a license. So right. we're going we're gonna to verify that. to tell that, you which ones are verified. Yeah, but if it's, you know, as soon as the client just gives us the information, whether that's through the manual process or through the API connections, it, it just hums, it runs automatically. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, of course, there are going to be these oddball cases where, I don't know, something isn't inputted correctly or whatever. But, you know, again, we were able to get in there and clear Shift it, it, hopefully, before the, 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 the licensee even knows that it's been an issue. So, Okay, let me ask you something kind of flipping this all on its head. YouTube grew really quickly. And so when they started to see this situation where video creators were uploading content with other music incorporated in as their soundtracks, they built this content ID system you've been talking about. So music rights holders could claim their music and either get a share of ad revenue, monitor the video use, or request a takedown. But where I'm going is more and more video services have emerged. We've been talking about YouTube this whole time, ranging from Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Triller, who knows what else what the next flavor is. Do they have systems similar to YouTube's content ID or how do they work? They have systems, but they're not very, they're not similar. YouTube's content ID is really, really in depth and um, has a lot of moving pieces. The other platforms, um, they, they can 
find content being used, um, but it's more of like a market share kind of thing. Um, so, you know, using a distributor, basically that's how you can get a lot of your music into those other platforms um, because it just kind of, is a little bit more simplistic. It's not as uh, complex and in depth as YouTube is. Um, but yeah, if, if your distributor includes those platforms as a quote unquote store, then that's kind of how that works. Um, so it's not as, uh, um, you know, comprehensive. It's just, it's a little more just simple basically. Well, but, but I uh, say I'm on Facebook or Instagram and I upload a video with music that, uh, isn't that I don't have the rights. Uh, I don't have a license for, but it's, I'm just, Hey, I'm just a guy with a video. I've got a cat video and I want it on Instagram, not YouTube. What happens with music that may not be distributed through a distributor onto Instagram and maybe somebody else is like, Hey, that's my song. Um, well it's, it's, it, get really into the weeds because um because they're newer to the game it's still there it's it's very um they have to iron out a lot of the wrinkles still because it's gotcha. it's you know it's like a little bit it's it's not as comprehensive so it, gotcha. it can be really hard to like you know hey that's my music i need to get paid for that or somebody will have the official use uh permissions and then they get claimed anyway so it's kind of like this weird in the middle of the road like what do we, how do we navigate this? It sounds it like it's lower. more manu- manual than YouTube's content. ID. Yeah. 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 So in, in the case of content ID, their system actually is set up to make claims to, to, to claim rights, to also request takedowns or turn on monetization and so forth. But in these other ones, if you're distributed formally and, and your distributor has a relationship with them, you'll be inside their equivalent of however they're identifying musical content. But People could still upload your content if you're not in those systems, and then you have kind of more of a manual call the helpline, send an email. Right, right, and you know, uh, basically with symbols again, um, we they can basically scan those platforms, um, or you know, use fingerprinting to see what's going on in those platforms and give you that data as well. And and who is is somebody currently using like what kind of user would use symbols for that? Is that where the the social video platform would adopt some technology from symbols and almost build their own content ID system, or or is that are you saying like a pu- a publisher could do that or a, pub- a publisher a label? A lot of times it's um, they they want to see hey you know um, we licensed a song to this brand but we only let them use it for like two videos and then they find out, Oh, they've been using it for five. So we need to go back to that brand and say, Hey, we noticed you use it five times instead of two. Can you maybe, can we just renew this license? You know, it's, so it's yeah. kind of like a license finder tool in mm-hmm. a way too. Um, and just, if also you just want to see, you know, how your music's trending and mm. how it's performing or, you know, like you mentioned at the top, I, 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 I'm a musician myself. I use these services, not any uh, Beyonce by any means, but it is kind of fun to see like, Hey, this, um, Russian outdoor channel used my song. That's kind of (laughs) cool. And it's a great video. So it's just interesting to see where your music's being used and how it's being used. And if you're more of a commercial artist, you can maybe see, you know, what locations, you know, uh, your music's popping up and you're like, you know, we should go tour there. Like Mm. hopefully once touring is back, to 100% normal Um, but like just info info and data and you can use it how you wish got it very cool let's take a quick break and then we'll continue this awesome conversation 
Want to help spread the word about music tectonics and win prizes at the Music Tectonics Conference? We don't just talk about innovations in music. We want you to experience them. So we are gamifying our launch of our pre-conference and you can earn free admission. That's right. Go to musictectonics.com slash conference and log in with the social account. Then the more you share the conference with your friends, the more points you earn. The top 100 point earners will get free admission to the conference. Plus, the top three sharers will be offered a free badge to our main conference too. Again, go to musictectonics.com slash conference and look for our badge contest. Not sure you want to go to our pre-conference? What? And miss hanging out with Mark Mulligan of Media Research in the Metaverse? That's right. Mark Mulligan will be our pre-conference keynote. Plus, you'll get to witness 10 amazing early-stage music tech startups pitching in the semifinal of Swimming with Narwhals, the annual music tech startup pitch competition presented by BandLab. Get your free ticket to the October 18th pre-conference by being a top 100 sharer and enter to win a badge to our full conference October 25th through 27th. Just go to musictectonics.com conference and look for our badge contest right now. So how does what you do at AdRev or Symbols relate to other areas beyond online video? Can you can you use the tech um, for the massive quantity of music that's getting placed on uh, music streamers, Spotify's of the world? And if so, what in what ways would you use it? Yeah, so both Symbols and licensees are really, really flexible uh, APIs and algorithms. And um, like I said, the, the guys at uh, Symbols are Brainiacs, Matthias, uh, he started researching like ion audio signal analysis and their tech team is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I sound like an idiot right now because I don't speak tech and they are just really, really, really smart. Um, and so you can use these to find your copyrights, how they're being used. And then like, like I mentioned the, do the, the sync licensing. Um, and that's based on basically hundred percent, accuracy of the reporting that symbols can provide. Um, so really, if you want to just know where your music is, how it's being used, symbols can run that data and find out for you and provide you with this robust knowledge that you, again, you take it and do what you want with it. Um, whether that's you go and do cease and desist or knock on doors and say, Hey, give me my money, you know, license this for me. Um, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's going beyond just YouTube. It's going to wherever you think your music is, is using, being used, uh, we can find it and tell you how it's being used. What, what would be some other examples? I mean, we we covered YouTube, obviously online video, social video. I mentioned Spotify and that's where you said, yep, it could be used that way too. But what other areas are we talking about here that it could be used for? Um, it's, you know, uh, like, yeah, like Spotify, uh, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Um, I know Vimeo has forever said, we're not going to ever, you know, monetize the platform. Um, but if you want the data of music being on that platform, um, there are ways to find it. And then, you know, again, you can't force Vimeo to pay you, but you might be able to get somebody to. (laughs) What about, what about old world uh, old world, uh, things like radio, TV, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Symbols is, that's where they started. So, um, again, you know, PROs are great and, um, they help you make your money there too. But if you want to maybe do a deeper dive and present 
some information to your PRO and say, hey, look at all these plays I've had or look at all these, um, you know, streams or whatever. Um, I want to give you this data so you know, uh, maybe you can check it against your backlog. But so, yeah, old world stuff. Definitely. It's funny that to me, I still listen to the radio to call it old world is is funny to me. But uh, (laughs) sorry, dude, you're getting older. (laughs) I know. I know. I just had a birthday. I'm I'm, I'm getting up there. (laughs) I, I, I like. I like the mix, you know, mm-hmm. the, the cool thing for me is I've got a 12 year old and a 22 year old. So I've got two different generations to feed me music. And one of them's into the 12 year olds into gaming. And so I get the marshmallows and yep. uh, Skrillexes of the world there. And then the 22 year old is um, off at college and, and into the indie rock thing. So I get uh, kind of folk indie rocks stuff from that direction. But I also like, I'll, I'll occasionally change which DSP I'm subscribed to, to try a different approach. Like I like, sure. like I'll, I'll be on Pandora for a while, um, checking out, you know, how their radio stations work and like discover a ton of music. And then after a while, I'm like, it's starting to sound kind of similar. And then I'll jump back over to Spotify. And then of course YouTube is just like, you know, crazy, crazy jukebox there. But, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, but I, I also listen to the radio is what I'm trying to say. We've got a college radio station and some semesters, there's somebody there that's pumping out some crazy cool new stuff that I'm just like, wow, I wouldn't have heard this anywhere else. So I love it. Yeah, I kind of live and die by my like weekly uh, new music mixes from the different DSPs. Like I never thought I'd be, I was that guy that was just stuck listening to the same three CDs, you know? And then here I am. I mean, I do think working it, it, behind the scenes in the music industry, when you get just exposed to everything else, it makes you want to just research and find new stuff. So I'm, I've been way more open-minded and uh, open-eared since I've started here, which, which I, is a great benefit of, of working here as well. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, so we go from old world. It's time for us to get super sci-fi, Jesse. Um, this is the part of the show where we want to get like push into the future. What are some cool or outrageous things you'd like to see in the futuristic music industry? Doesn't have to be related to anything we were talking about, but it could be. But it doesn't have to be. Sure, I'll start with the uh, the related aspect. Uh, I mean, I would love to see um, a world where uh, AdRev is the one-stop shop. It's the dashboard for everything. You come in and you just see everything going on. You don't have to go anywhere else. Uh, And that's it. You're done. That's all you got (laughs) to do. I mean, this isn't super sci-fi, but I miss going to concerts. And I I don't know. I'm, if we're going to have to be like remote for a bit more or half remote, half in real world, I'm not sure. I don't know Would it, it'd be cool to have some kind of like VR virtual concert experience. Right. Cause I think in the future, I mean, I'm a gamer too. You mentioned when your kids is a gamer, uh, I've really gotten into that since the world shut down basically. And so I have this little gaming community that I meet up with every weekend and we play games online and they're all from all over the world. But I do think eventually everyone's going to have a VR room. It's going to be like the game room. And it would be so cool to have like some kind of virtual concert experience where you just, if, if it's like the live aid, another live aid happens in Europe or Africa or something, you know, you can just, you could be there virtually. I think that would be great. That would be really, I mean, it's, I'd, I'd it's really so very coming, Jesse. It's so very, it's just like, it's like centimeters away from yeah. stuff. I mean, there's people who are playing with it. So, um, the, the, the trick is to have enough of it. So, you know, which, which virtual space to adopt, which hardware or not hardware or, right whatever um and it'll be really interesting to see when this total um 
explosion of live streaming that feels like a a facsimile of a concert experience starts to merge more and more with what you're describing where where it just feels more immersive where um yeah yeah i mean we're we're talking to people who are doing all sorts of stuff sure and uh the trick is to is to figure out how to how to lock into it for yourself with the music you like the vibe you like the community you like and the technology that you're used to using or stretch yourself to the next the next thing you know Um, i just thought about this too i mean it's it's sci-fi but also old school what if you could also go back and walk into a virtual like an old concert like an old Beatles oh, yes, show or something. Yeah. Oh man. Or like a Led Zeppelin gig or something. Oh man, that would be really cool. You know, I think that'd That's be fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting for the, um, you know, the, the 3d printer equivalent of smells. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, what if you could also like throw in the smells, like people sweat, maybe there's yeah. a purple haze in the air, you know, some old beer, some yeah. ganja, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Cigarette smoke is. just hovering everywhere. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get there somehow. I don't know yeah. whether whether it'll be with an actual 3D printer of sense or whether it'll be the uh, Elon Musk uh, chip in your head that makes you think you're smoking. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Are there other like interesting kind of trends in the music tech space or companies? Anything else that you've come across recently that you're you're excited about? Yeah, um w- the licensing game is getting really interesting. Um, we, you know, AdRev has a, a, a company called Audio Micro, um, and that was kind of pre-AdRev, uh, where you know it sells you know micro licensing to YouTubers, TV, film, radio, theater. Um, that is becoming a huge thing. Uh, you're seeing companies like Artlist and um, these others that are are really doing well. Uh, and I think that's going to be the next kind of like, I mean, licensing has always been there, but this kind of licensing I think is going to be the next big thing and how to navigate these online platforms with it too. What, what are the, what are the industry categories that are really adopting licensing for the first time? I mean, are we talking about ads on social media or are we talking about creators who, who want licensing? Are we talking about podcasts or is it just like, commercial videographers doing it for their corporate or wedding videos where where do you see the growth areas right now i think all of them to be honest i mean you know we live in an ad uh, ad served world um i've got uh i'm not uh, i don't have cable but i have youtube tv and i swear to god they serve me ads of everything i google like i see the same ads over and over and over and i'm like i know they do that you know through your computer or whatever but i think they're doing it on my tv now so yeah, social media influencers, um, ad companies, brands. Um, there's there's so much. There's so much ads, so many ads, and so they need <laughs> music for these ads or whatever. Um, and just con- like TV shows, there's so many TV channels and so many series and things like that. Um, it's just there's just a, a need for it apparently because they're we're just seeing people wanting. We, I need music. I need more music. I need more choices. I need. I want this, that, the other thing. Um, so I think it's just, it's kind of, you know, a wide array of people who need this music. Yeah, gotcha. It's just the continued switch to video going from banner ads and television yeah. to 
just micro uses across the internet apps everywhere where mm-hmm. people are licensing it and and maybe also because those systems have come are, are in place now where people get that licensing it's better to license these micro smaller sync licenses than than to only hope for the big Hollywood sinks of of the previous era right and and on the creator side too not only are there more brands and and more uh there's just more content there's more creators too so it's kind of like you know the the supply and demand are both rising at the same time oh yeah while i've got you because of your expertise on on music monetization and video i want to ask one more question um which is i i've got this perspective that streaming is is looking like at least in in the U.S. and and soon after probably in a lot of other territories is kind of plateauing in terms of you know how many paying subscribers are going to be out there and then maybe from there maybe we'll see subscriptions go up you know as as people are used to the idea of paying or or, or whatever but I've got this sense that there's still untapped potential for the use of music in social video I mean YouTube is one is one platform, but there's, you know, obviously there's TikTok and so forth. They're monetized differently. They're tracked differently, but it feels like with several different platforms, even Twitch, you know, there's several different platforms where you see a lot of growth. People are spending more time there. There's, as you said, way more creators there. They all are putting music, using music somehow or wanting music, whether they're licensing it or whether there's some sort of content identification that leads to revenue shares or you know whether the platform itself is doing some licensing um it feels like that's going to continue to be a growth area is how big of a growth area is that i mean is are we looking at a whole other doubling of how much revenue is is coming in i mean spotify is not you know the streaming services are not paying that much per stream but and, and so people say well the social video is not that much per stream but collectively i mean it's getting global there's more and more creators there's more and more viewers people are getting more and more used to this is that going to grow to be like another one of these like skyrockets of the music industry that's a great question um i i love streaming i know um there are certain people that will like beat me up for saying that just be, based on how some of the writers and the artists you know the, the payouts aren't fair yeah. which i agree with that too but it's kind of like you know, the lesser of two evils. I mean, I want to use this so I can listen to music and enjoy it. But I also like, ah, I feel bad that, you know, they're not paying people as much as they should. If, if, you know, certain legislation and things happen where these services then can pay more to artists and writers, um, I feel like, I don't know, maybe that might shoot it up a bit, but I don't know. I, it's like the next tech has to come through and it's like moving from VHS to, to Blu-ray, you know, there's going to have to be some, the next thing. Cause yeah, I think we're kind of like, we're, we're here. Like this is how, this is the real world as we know it. What's the next, you know, media or medium that's going to come through how we ingest music and listen to it and discover it. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I have friends who are cheapskates and they don't pay for any type of streaming services. They, they'll, they do the ad based version, which, okay, fine. But for me, it's such an important part of my day listening to music that I'll pay the money to not have those ads and also build my own playlist and listen to whatever I want and not have to be interrupted, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I, you also look at, you know, 
the the teenagers and their the, the early twenty somethings who are probably the most the, the heaviest consumers of these things are they paying subscription fees? I doubt it. You know, I don't know. Um, maybe as that generation gets older and they have more money in their pockets, maybe I don't. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I think it's then the, whatever the next thing is that there's got to be something new coming along eventually that's gonna probably you know either outperform streaming or I don't know will streaming ever go away. I have no idea. It's, yeah, what's the it's next crazy thing? To think about? But you don't think the the use of music in social media platforms is going to create very big of a, a kind of an overall revenue stream for the music space? I, th- I think so. I think go back to the licensing thing. As you get more creators, uh, whether that's you know you, uh, YouTube video creators or TikTokers, and then also music creators, it's going to be this happy marriage. I think just based on what we're seeing and what we're thinking about as far as licensing goes, um, I, I think in the next five years, yeah, we, we, we might see a, a trend upwards with the, the use of the music and also the, the licensing of the music. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So this has been great geeking out with you. Um, it's a lot of what music tectonics feels like when you come to the conference, whether it's online or the in-person component. We're doing both this year, hybrid event. You choose your own adventure, guys. You can be online in the metaverse or on a carousel by the ocean in by the Santa Monica Pier. We are renting it out, people. It's going to be a blast. But there's a little bit of geeking out. We geek out on the panels. We we get to know friends, old friends, new friends, um, talking about these things, this, the sci-fi future of music tech, or getting into the weeds like people are willing and interested in finding out about how this works for artists and and rights holders and how it works for technology platforms and where that marriage is but i'm curious before we let you go jesse what are you and the ad rev team hoping to get out of attending music tectonics this year well we really just want to be around people and people (laughs) like-minded like us so you know new friends old friends so you're meeting meeting some some new peeps um and just letting everybody know about our tech and how we really want to use it to <laughs> it's going to sound kind of uh, morose, but to, to stop the suffering and stop the pain of all the, the trials and tribulations you have to go through with these platforms um, and really just bringing more awareness to the value that artists and creators and musicians provide um, both economically and socially and just really be proud of what we do for them. And like I always say, um, I'm really proud of what AdRev does, but also what I do because I'm an artist advocating for my fellow artists. And I, I love that. And I, I say it all the time. So I'm really proud of that. That's awesome. That's very in line with what I've heard from others at AdRev. So it's cool you found your your tribe there and you guys are using tech to kind of expand out. In fact, I think we're looking at some programming that that will really be about how tech can be used for for the greater good for artists and, and so forth, which will be super fun. It's been great having you on the show, Jesse. I'm psyched to see you online in the metaverse and, and in LA. Stay safe and we'll, we'll see you at Tectonics. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see you. Who will you meet at Music Tectonics? Our annual conference is known for bringing people together from across the music tech landscape to share ideas and get business done. In 2021, we're bringing together a slate of speakers at the cutting edge of tech for recorded music, live music, and music making. You'll hear from Tracy Chan, head of music at Twitch, the live stream platform built for gamers, now home to many artists who stream live shows to their adoring fans. Mark Mulligan, managing director of Midia Research and everyone's favorite music tech seismologist. 
Marisol Siegel, Head of Digital Partnerships at AEG Presents, Will Page, the former Chief Economist at Spotify and author of Tarzan Economics, Dina LaPolt, Top Music Industry Lawyer, David Pelham, Royalties at Concord, and many, many more music tech movers and shakers. Get your ticket to join them at the online conference October 25th through 27th at musictectonics.com. That same ticket gets you access to in-person networking by the sea in the Los Angeles area on November 2nd. Do not miss this. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology, the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.